Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing, science, and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I am Dr. Bobby Pritt, a clinical microbiologist and the Vice Chair of Education for the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And with me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the President of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This will be the first of many future weekly discussions with Dr. Maurice through this podcast. Dr. Maurice has led our extensive efforts to provide high quality laboratory testing for all of our patients at Mayo Clinic and around the nation during the COVID-19 pandemic. Early on, he worked with our clinical microbiologist to ensure that we had a test for SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, and now he continues to work tirelessly to ensure that all of our laboratories and staff have everything they need to continue to provide testing. All amidst a series of challenges in supply and reagent shortages, lack of testing kits, even a lack of nasal pharyngeal swabs. So, wow, this has been quite the effort, Dr. Maurice. Um, perhaps we should start at the very beginning when we were first hearing about COVID-19. When did you first realize the virus was likely to be a problem in the United States and how did you respond at that time? Well, uh, first of all, this is great. I'm really glad we're doing this, Bobby. It's, uh, I enjoy the opportunity to kind of share my experiences with people that are interested and can learn from them. So I had been in China in November and we were already kind of planning for January to be a down month because that's typical, that's a Chinese new year. So everyone travels to go home. And so it was interesting. Jason was saying, well, there's something cropping up in, in the Wuhan area, uh, Hunan province, I think that is. And the first thing that really struck my attention was the fact that they, the Chinese government locked down all travel because it's a, I mean, that's a thousands of year old tradition for people to travel to their ancestral home as part of that. So it kind of raised the index of suspicion for me that this was something. And um, really the other person, you know, Dr. Binnaker, your colleague in clinical micro, who's also our, runs our molecular virology lab, is also our practice chair. So is on my leadership team. He also was starting to express some concerns about what we should be doing for this outbreak that was, I think at that point, it wasn't even called COVID-19 yet. So January, we were starting to be concerned. By the end of January, it was really mad that was watching this play out. And really, we decided that there was probably no way that containment was going to work and that we should be thinking about doing our own testing. So that was an interesting time. We very much leveraged our leadership team, which we've talked about, you know, which have really worked hard to build where everyone can kind of openly share what they think we should do. We can talk about it and then make a decision. We made the decision in you know, early February, as many know, that uh, to do the testing. Interestingly, that was not unanimously held in our team. Uh, there were some people that had concerns about investing resources to something that at that point we didn't know if we'd even be able to use because of the CDC position on this. But it was uniformly supported in, in keeping with our table group methodologies. From that point on, it continued to escalate up in my visibility about what it might be if I'm completely honest, I probably underestimated like a lot of us. I didn't see us at this point where we are now, you know, three months later, two and a half months later, um, I probably underestimated the overall impact it would have on us as a society, let alone Mayo Clinic Labs. Well, it's been quite a journey. I don't think any of us really could have foreseen this. Um, how did you progress then um, when you realized that we did need to step up our efforts um, and start putting a team together? What were your plans for that? And who well, did you pick to represent the individuals for that team? 
So, uh, so really, that it was kind of a two-phased evolution. So at first, it was really within our leadership team, getting updates from Dr. Binnaker. The first focus was really very much a trito focus about, could we actually develop a test in two to three weeks? You know, something that had been sort of the hope of doing all those trito efforts early on was, could we actually marshal resources when needed to really rapidly develop a test. It was Dr. Binnaker. Dr. Wenjanak was key to that because we had to get access to the live virus and use her, you know, the, the mycology facilities. So that was, it was, and it was with our leadership team to watch it and to focus on it with Brian Mead to start thinking about what it meant for MCL. The big pivot point was when I was out in Washington, D.C. for the ACLA board meeting in early March. So I now represent Mayo Clinic on the ACLA board, which is a trade association for clinical labs, which has Steve Ruskowski, the CEO of Quest, um, Adam Schechter, the CEO of LabCorp, others. Uh, when we started that meeting, uh, they, uh, Adam Schechter and uh, Steve Ruskowski told us that they had been called by Pence the day before to talk about standing up lab testing in the country and, and in response to the Pence team, which I didn't really even know existed. Just like with Dr. Hansen before me, Many of the CEOs are not physicians. So when you have to go talk about a medical issue, they start to lean on the physicians around the table. So actually I had to start thinking about how I was gonna to talk to Pence and that team about what the industry needs were from a practice perspective. They were thinking about the scale and industry perspective. So after that, I mean, that clearly was a big bucket of cold water. So then in early, I came back and that's when Scott and I really mobilized to set up the team that eventually became the command center to help manage all the activities around COVID as it blossomed into something a lot bigger than any of us anticipated. Yeah. So how did your efforts change as the pandemic progressed and what steps did you take as a leader? Well, that's another great question, Bobby. So really what changed as the, as the pandemic progressed is we realized that the problem was huge and really needed a, a multidisciplinary approach to manage it. So we went from being very much focused on our leadership team and managing this to really start to expand the leadership team's uh, capabilities and support so that we could manage something of this magnitude. For me personally and for my leadership team, the timing was perfect because I had recognized that I needed to start delegating more to the people on my team to make the team more effective to begin with. And here the problem was so big that that had to happen. So we went from being a small leadership team that kind of watching activities and talking about them to uh, the same team, but now supported by the first step we took was to establish a command center, understanding all the operational things that had to come together just for us to be able to do the testing, both for Mayo Clinic as well as for people that want to send us testing from Mayo Clinic labs. And you know, the early days, daily conversations around getting access to testing materials, getting access to patient sampling materials, coordinating with drive-up centers, which we had never done. That was all just from Mayo Clinic. And then you have others from using Mayo Clinic Labs that have the same challenges that needed help, not the least of which was because we were part of the Pence team, there was immediately then a requirement that we report to the White House directly on some of the things that we were actually doing with our testing capacity. So that's one of the things when I've learned in this is that if you're doing something that's supported by a state or federal government, you have to have a lot of reporting structures in place to kind of build the transparency because they're going to want to know what's going on. So we had to get all of that together. So uh, my associate administrator and senior vice president of Mayo Clinic Labs, Scott, said we need a command center to manage these things. That was crucial. Uh, at the same time, have Dr. Binnaker on our team is also the practice chair. So he's managing how the department's supporting Mayo Clinic itself. So he needed a, a lot more latitude. There just was too many conversations that had to happen. I couldn't be there. 
he needed to be there. He was actually closer to the information they needed anyways about what we could do with testing. So he was able to do that. Conversely, Dr. Salama, who's our MCL um, chief medical officer, Mayo Clinic Labs, excuse me, chief medical officer, was able to then support uh, that team that was trying to service the external needs outside of Mayo Clinic to our Mayo Clinic Labs customers. What do they need? How do we coordinate? How do we get specimens in? Uh, a lot of challenges there because Mayo Clinic Laboratories uses a FedEx, which does de- rely on commercial air travel. And of course, commercial air travel was disrupted. So our, our, all of our logistics were not as stable as normal. So lots of things there. And then last but not least, we also recognized very early on that all the activities that were happening in the command center, the one that we weren't keeping an eye on there was actually our innovation efforts, right? That we needed, right? At that point we had molecular tests and that was it. So how are we gonna get a lot more tools from a lab perspective to help address the COVID challenge? And so Dr. Salama was also, our chief medical officer was also able to help in organizing some of our innovation efforts as well. And we've actually put a structure on that very similar to actually the command center where there's multiple work streams all reporting up to a single individual um, so that we can keep them coordinated. So that's, I mean, there's really exciting stuff happening there too. Yeah, well, it sounds like a really complex, but very efficient, exciting process. Um, so what do operations look like today? How has this been running? Oh, it's been running so smoothly that we actually turned the command center into a virtual command center. So we had people, you know, it was running seven days a week early on as we really had to address the day-to-day challenges and even hour-to-hour challenges because every lab was essentially running. So we have different platforms. We have our own lab-developed test. We had the Roche high-throughput platforms, and we have Abbott platforms. We have testing running on all of them. Any one of them can have a challenge at any given time, and they did. So we had to have work going back and forth, and what did that mean for capacity? We were really trying to avoid um, having the backlog of specimens that were some of our other industry colleagues were suffering from. We had, were sending tests out to Quest early on. It was clear that they got overwhelmed. So we were really trying to finely tune being able to turn around the test quickly to support everyone that needed an answer from our laboratories, whether they're at Mayo Clinic or on the outside, but also all those things that's still really kind of running right at the edge. So that meant there was a lot of moment-to-moment type of, of moving things around to make sure we could continue to meet that need. Yeah. Now it's more quiescent. Now it's quieter, I should say, (laughs) um, and that things are not as dynamic on the moment-to-moment level, but I think we've just passed the eye of the storm from a testing and coordination perspective because early on it was all around standing up testing to meet patient needs that were in the hospital and helping hospitals manage this wave of COVID patients that were coming, who had COVID, who had just another respiratory illness, all those sorts of things, not enough testing. We saw that rise and also the hospital labs were way far behind because of they just don't have the same access to equipment and things that some of the major reference labs did. So they've now been able to bring in testing. So we saw the demand softening, not just at Mayo Clinic Laboratories, but at all the major reference labs. That was as people started to manage and, and control the, the, with the social distancing, the, the doubling rate of the infection slowed. So we were able to catch up a little bit. But now as we swing to how to use the lab to actually get people back into society and what's its role, we're going to see a much bigger upswing because now we have to start thinking about not just the acutely ill patients, but how we're using testing for those who might become ill or might be early in the disease. So you're now expanding the indications for testing. So we're going to see another upsurge, I think, in the volumes here across the country. Sure. There's always new challenges. Yep. 
Well, like you said, it sounds like we're maybe out of the eye of the storm, at least in many parts of the country. Um, so I guess just reflecting back now with all of these challenges, do you have any lessons you'd like to share with our audience about being a leader during an emergency such as the COVID-19 pandemic? Um, I would say two things. Number one, invest in the whatever it takes to build a cohesive leadership team because if you don't have a cohesive team that really can talk about challenges uh, in a very transparent way and make what is the best decision that you can make based on the information you have because often you don't have all the information that you would like to have to make a decision make that investment you will it will serve you well at times when you're just not in crisis but certainly if you get overwhelmed with something that is what you will need to leverage to make sure you don't make bad decisions uh, and the other thing is don't be afraid to be transparent i think that there was a real anxiety amongst a lot of leaders in healthcare to talk a lot about what was going on because there were so many unknowns without knowledge all people are left with is fear so i think just to really not to be afraid to be transparent and again, leverage your team with that transparency. I tend to do well, I think, in communicating what challenges are there, uh, what we're grappling with, some of the macro issues. I sometimes struggle, honestly, with like some of the details, like how many tests are available today, those sorts of things. Someone like Dr. Binneker, who's really had a, has a great sensitivity and way to communicate that. Also, he was able to communicate early on as a virologist, what the heck is SARS-CoV-2 and how does it relate to everything else? So again, that doesn't mean you're the only communicator. In fact, I don't think you should make yourself the only communicator because that then undermines the whole point of having a team, but you can't be afraid to over-communicate. It's been amazing to me. We've done weekly town halls and the number of people, I think at one point we had almost 2000 people kind of remoting into the town hall just from our department. So the appetite and the amount of feedback that I got personally on just gratitude for doing it when it just seemed like it was just my job, but it was pretty profound. Oh. Well, there's definitely a hunger for more information. I think these times are uncertain. Everyone wants to know what is going on. So we'll continue to do these podcasts on a weekly basis uh, with you as our chair and leader so that you can continue to kind of give us the inside scoop and keep us up to date on what's going on. So thank you, Dr. Maurice, for spending this time with us today. Again, that was Dr. Bill Maurice, the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories, speaking to leadership in the time of the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks a lot, Bobby. I look forward to doing more. Thanks, Val. Thank you so much for tuning into Answers from the Lab. If you are interested in learning more about what we discussed in this episode, please click on the website address below. Plus, be sure to subscribe to this podcast as we will continue to provide you with Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing, science, and people who are making it happen behind the scenes. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday and Thursday.